Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we'll um, make a start. Welcome to the December uh, Cabinet meeting in Uttlesford District Council. This meeting is broadcast. Um, before we start, uh, I would just like to make a statement, um, and I'm conscious that there may be people here who wish to speak, which we'll do under item four, which is questions of statements from non-executive members of the council. So if you're content with that, uh, we'll have uh, 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 other comments then. As most of you will be aware, the inspector closed his examination into Uttlesford's local plan yesterday afternoon. There were two areas of concern for the inspector, total numbers, in particular taking notice of market signals. Uh, these are house and rent prices, overcrowding, in fact the general state of the housing market. To take account of this, the inspector indicated an additional 10% would be appropriate to the numbers. Uh, and quoted a figure of 580 house completions a year. The inspector also referred to the forthcoming strategic housing market assessment, known as the Schmar, and the duty to cooperate with neighbouring councils. In his second point, the inspector referred to a lack of evidence in relation to highways for Elsenham, including the impact on sections of Junction 8 on the M11. The inspector has issued an initial report which is available on the Council's website and in his summing up uh, yesterday referred to much of the plan being sound uh, and the totality of the plan was not found unsound. So what happens next? We await the inspector's full summary uh, which he has promised before Christmas. However, the key next step is to re-establish the total numbers and work on the Schmar and the duty to cooperate will proceed. It's unlikely we will have the outcome until the summer, although we will be working as quickly as possible. And when we have the figure, uh, we can initiate a call for sites. Tonight, I am instructing the Chief Executive to bring a report to full council with a recommendation for the next steps. Our key themes for the conduct of the plan remain objectivity in the process and analysis, full transparency and full consultation. Future meetings of the group that will consider the local plan will be held in public and will be broadcast. We will arrange the first meeting early in the new year. And that completes my statement. Okay. Uh, if we may, we'll move to apologies for absence. I have an apology from Councillor Salmon. Councillor Salmon and Councillor Wells, I understand. Anybody else? No? Declarations of interest? There are none. Minutes of the last meeting. Do you consider those... I believe uh, Mr. Coleman is Mr. Coltman, and that has been corrected in the copy of the minutes that I am looking at. And I think the spelling of Wickham is incorrect, and that has also been put, put right. But otherwise, is it considered to be a true record? Matters arising from those minutes, uh, taking the front page, which is CA 54, 55, 56, are there any matters arising from that? 
Any matters arising from the second page, a continuation of CA 56? Or the last page? I will sign those minutes uh, at the end of the meeting. We now come on to item four, uh, questions or statements from non-executive members of the council, and I promise those. I've seen one hand. Are there any other hands so we can understand who wishes to speak? Jeremy. Okay. Councillor Dean, and then uh, Jeremy. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I'd like to respond to your statement a few minutes ago about the um, examination of the local plan. In, in my opinion, the, uh, the decision yesterday was both uh, a triumph and a disaster. It was a triumph for, the, for common sense in many ways, and it was a triumph for those who have campaigned for many years, uh, in particular against the um, proposed new settlement at Elsnam. But I also said it was a disaster. In a way, it's, it's, to me, it's a bit like um, having um, a gangrenous leg um, in that uh, you know, the only solution is to cut it off um, to save life and, and in due course and of course that causes a degree of disability for a period of time but hopefully the, um, the patient recovers uh, and becomes mobile again and I think that, that in a way that to me is the situation that the, the, the council finds it in finds itself in. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that the, uh, that the inspector found the plan unsound and I'll tell you if I may why I think that. Uh, on Wednesday of two weeks ago, that's two weeks ago yesterday, I was here for the whole day session on the, on the 19th and um, I think it was in the afternoon about an hour or an hour and a quarter was spent by the inspector asking those present what they thought he should do were he to find the plan unsound. And what he said was that, uh, th that it could be withdraw the current plan until the forthcoming schmar was uh, carried out. He then said that uh, also... Um, carry out um, some, uh, what he called a major modification to the plan, but he said that this would only be appropriate if the interim plan were to be found sound in its fundamental respects. And then the third option that he considered was uh, C, which was a suspension of the plan for a specific period of work. My reading of, the, uh, of Mr. Foster's statement of yesterday uh, is that essentially he's said that the plan should be withdrawn and because he found it sound he used the term I have severe concerns about the justification of this proposal and thus the soundness of the whole plan. That was one of his statements. He said taken together my concerns about the objectively assessed housing need and the justification for Elsner mean that I cannot recommend adoption of the plan as submitted until and that work needs to be done to overcome these soundness defects. Um, and, and he went on to talk about the scale of the work being so significant 
that it couldn't be sorted out within six months and therefore essentially he was uh, finding it unsound and asking the council to do a lot more work whether you want to call that start again I think is a, is a, matter, of, a matter of semantics and, and I agree to a large extent Mr Chairman the, the sort of things that, uh, that you've referred to um, I, th I think that the, the key to going forward, or one of the keys to going forward, is, is a different way of, of handling the matter. Um, I'm delighted, I might say, that, uh, that you've said that the working group, whether it's the same working group or a, a newly created working group that operates transparently and publicly, I think that that is the first essential uh, step um, to me, you know, that might mean that some of us on the council would be prepared to take place, whereas we've not been prepared to take part in private and, and secret meetings for some time now. If there's a total, truly, true change of approach, then I think that uh, we can hopefully work together. But, of course, it's not going to be sorted out in this council. It will be the new council, whoever that might be, um, uh, to, to finish it off sometime after next May and I'm not going to predict how long it's going to take but it's I, th I think going to take <coughs> take us through Christmas next year but hopefully we won't be having a consultation over Christmas next year so uh, I think that the approach has to be based on realism and it needs to be based on transparency and honesty um, I was not happy with the note that was sent round the council today, which seemed to be um, it seemed to be a statement of denial that the, um, the, the plan had been found unsound. It was criticising the press for calling it sound. I don't think that that's the way forward. I think we've got to, all of us have got to be frank and honest from now on. If we've made mistakes, let's admit them and let's get on and do it properly as quickly as possible. But let's certainly let's not rush it. Let's do it properly this time. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Dean. And uh, obviously it's not an agenda item for this Cabinet, um, but we will have a full discussion at Council, which I believe is December the 18th. So in terms of um, the detail of that, and obviously that will be on the back of the, uh, the report that uh, I've uh, asked the Chief Executive to prepare. Councillor Rose. Thank you, Chairman. Um, obviously, I'm here representing Newport Ward, and I defend Newport uh, as much as I possibly can. Could the Cabinet please reassure the uh, residents and businesses of Newport Ward uh, to the fact that we won't, as a key settlement, be landed with more houses and more development? We are absolutely bonkers with developers and builders that are cramming in houses on sites outside the local development plan sites and could we be reassured that we will not exceed the agreed number of houses allocated in the local development plan? What I can comment on and I uh, would never refer to any site, any village, anywhere uh, but clearly uh, this council will have to find uh, uh, sites for more houses and that will be going through one of my our key criteria, uh, which is objectivity, 
so there will be a call for sites. Uh, I can't tell you who, what will be put forward. Um, we will all agree on the criteria for the objective assessment, uh, and then a decision will be made on the back of that. So uh, the key words are objectivity, so it would be wholly inappropriate for me to comment any further than that. Um, but I think the one key message that everybody needs to appreciate is that uh, we will need to be looking for further sites. Anyone else? Okay. We now move on to item five, matters referred to the executive. There are none. Uh, reports from Performance and Audit and Scrutiny Committee. Councillor Godwin, reporting on the Scrutiny Committee. Mike, please. Um, this is a report from the Scrutiny Committee to the, full to the Council and Cabinet on the Budget. Um, there were a lot of things which were discussed which lead to the recommendations below. Um, reserves were seen to be at a reasonable level, but given the financial outlook, which is uncertain and unpromising, the Scrutiny Committee asked should they not be higher. Uh, the future of the new homes bonus is not clear. Was it intended only to be for six years? Will a new government change it? There are no clues from any source as to what might happen. The only certainty is that most agencies expect that matters will only get worse in the next few years. The Council is in a much better position than most, but nevertheless will be under huge financial pressures um, in the next few years. Um, the Scrutiny Committee would like to see the Council looking for new partnerships and perhaps contract out more services. This needs us exploring as had not, has, has not always been for the best in past history. Um, the Council could be running at a serious the next council, this is, could be running at a serious deficiency by the end of its term. But the major challenge is to look for savings now and to cut our coat to suit the situation which is all around us. Um, the other thing, the request that the budget might be easier to understand if there was line numbering on every single item. This is something which has been asked for before and now we really would think it would be easier for everybody. So the actual recommendations to the Cabinet are that consideration should be given as to whether the level of reserves is sufficient, that the Council should assume the worst on future challenges for local government funding, to look for efficiencies and partnerships, and to make the budget format easier uh, to read and clearer to understand. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, the next item is indeed uh, the budget, so I'll ask uh, Councillor Chambers to respond to those points, but thank you for those observations. Councillor Howell, do you wish to say anything on P&A? 
Okay, thank you very much indeed. We uh, now move on to two items, seven, uh, the financial outlook and 2015-16 budget strategy. Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Leader. Leader, this report sets out the current financial position of the Council and the strategy for drawing up the 2015-16 budget. The strategy has been to scrutiny, and you've just heard Councillor Godwin uh, passing her comments on it. As we get near to the general election, the amount of uncertainty rises, and this has made this strategy document extremely hard to finalise. The main assumptions in the document this year are that new homes bonus will continue in its current format. It is, however, extremely likely that once a new government is in place, it will be changed. A number of impact scenarios are set out on page 32 of your green strategy. The second main assumption is around business rates. There is a safety net within the scheme which should protect us from significant impact unless the safety net itself is amended. However, this area remains a risk as there are not many small district councils with an international airport within its area. The third assumption is universal credit. This scheme is due to commence implementation within Uttlesford in 2015-16 and completed by 2017-18. If these timescales are not met, there will be a negative impact on the budget in future years. The strategy is based on the, prepared on the basis of a council tax freeze which will enable the authority to claim a freeze grant payment of £50,000 in 2015-16. Page 31 of this pack on the green strategy shows the outcome of the modelling. As can be seen, 2015-16 shows a surplus of £768,000, which, based on current information available, we can be reasonably certain will materialise. In 2016-17, a surplus, however, we have to be extremely cautious about this figure, as we have assumed any new government will not introduce changes straight away but will take their time and introduce change from 2017-18. This is based on the fact that New Homes Bonus was introduced as a six-year scheme and 2016-17 will be the sixth year. After 2016-17, even with the assumption that New Homes Bonus will continue in its current format, the budget surplus reduces significantly to always, almost nothing by the end of the model. When, as mentioned above, a potential cut in grant is factored in, the 2017-18 financial year is likely to be the first to show a deficit. I have built into the strategy the requirement for £2 million of reserves to be allocated to covering the potential deficit in the final three years of the plan. 
By doing this, it will give the Council time to significantly change the way in which it works and thereby reduce expenditure and potentially increase income. On page 34, still a green document, the current reserves position is set out. Included on this page is mention of the need for a reserves strategy, which I have asked officers to prepare as part of the 2015-16 budget setting process. On page 36 are the key actions for preparation of the 2015-16 budget. Mr Chairman, I therefore would recommend that Cabinet approves the financial outlook and 2015-16 budget strategy as set out in paragraph 5 on page 9. I so propose, Leader. Thank you, Councillor James. Do I have a seconder for that? Councillor Cheatham. Um, Cabinet, colleagues, does anybody wish to comment on this? Councillor Howell. Uh, thank you, Leader. I, I speak as Chairman of the Audit and Performance Committee, but I'm also a member of the Scrutiny Committee, so I participated in the debate that Scrutiny uh, had on the, on the um, budget strategy, and I endorse Councillor Godwin's comments. We had a significant debate about it, and I echo many of her concerns about future funding and the comments that Councillor Chambers has made this evening. While the Council's financial position is more favourable currently. That has been as a result of a significant amount of, of, of hard work over the last seven years. There is, however, a great deal of uncertainty um, about the future funding, and there are many variables that we, we cannot predict, but each of those, were they to take place, could have a, a major uh, effect on, on the budget. While the Performance and Audit Committee is primarily a backward-looking committee. We have looked at the reserves in great detail, and I consider the reserves, and the committee considers the reserves to be appropriate at this stage, but they are there for a very important <coughs> purpose, so we can smooth events such as this. So as, as Chairman of Audit and Performance, I do want to say that I endorse the financial outlook and the, and the budget strategy paper in front of you. Thank you very much. Anybody else wish to comment? Councillor Dean. I almost feel that Christmas has arrived, Mr Chairman, and that I heard my friend Councillor Chambers say that he's asked officers to prepare a strategy on reserves, um, having, as Councillor Howell will know, as well as having spent a number of meetings over the last few months badgering both of them, uh, that there was a need to look at the reserves and to justify them to look at them from a, a risk point of view, uh, then it's music to my ears that Councillor Chambers and his officers have um, uh, agreed to carry out this, uh, this analysis and I look forward to the outcome. I think the only thing that I would make reference to is that uh, one of the items uh, on the list is uh, almost a million pounds under planning development uh, in the reserves. It's my understanding that that was there to fight appeals, which of course this uh, council no longer does. Therefore, it's not needed for that. But of course, um, it, uh, it would, nothing would surprise me if it's swallowed up by the extra expenditure that's needed to 
create a new local plan. So I've already noted that maybe that particular item isn't as spare as I thought it would have been before yesterday. Um, and we'll come back to this in, when, we, when we get the detail later on. Um, I just want, all I would say is that I, you know, I, I hope that, that our officers um, look at this in a, in a totally objective way, in the same way as <coughs> you and I want to see the new local plan uh, carried out, uh, that it's not what you might call um, over politically influenced, but, but is as fair an assessment, giving the risks and, and possibly pluses and minuses that might apply to these items, so we can then look at it and see whether we agree with it when the final report comes in due course. But I will thank Councillor Chambers for his um, change of heart. Thank you. Just a few points of correction. We do fight appeals. Uh, you're right, not all of them, but we're fighting one as we speak. Um, and um, secondly, there have been some pretty wild speculations about the cost of the local plan. Uh, and uh, we naturally uh, ha have asked for a detailed financial analysis of that, but uh, I, I, I don't think there's a cat in hell's chance it will get anywhere near a million pounds. So rest assured there'll still be something in that reserve budget. Councillor Cheatham and then Councillor Mackman. Yes, Councillor Dean, better uh, I suggest read the planning papers because I can assure him we still uh, fight appeals and we still win a lot of appeals, so maybe he needs to concentrate on looking at the right papers. Could I ask a question with regard to universal credit? There have been quite a lot of rumours recently that the government is not going to meet their targets with the bringing them in. Do we have contingency plan to deal with that, Councillor Chambers? Because it won't be of our making, it will be of, of, of a problem with the government. There were a couple of programmes recently where they discussed that it might not come come in on the time and we are meant to be coming online next year. Any more questions? Uh, well, we can take... I don't know whether you want to try and respond to that. Right. But, but, and then we'll come on to Councillor Mackman. But right, thank, thank you, Lee. Uh, well, I was going to, uh, first of all, say to uh, Councillor Dean that uh, I'm sure that if you actually look at the reserves and you look at what the, uh, the auditors say... They do not believe that we have too much in reserves. In fact, that what they were saying, and Councillor Howell has said, that they, they think it is quite expedient that we have that sort of level uh, of reserves. I don't have to justify the review because, and it certainly isn't a change of heart, Councillor Dean, that every so often you have to make sure that you take those risks into account and you have sufficient reserves to overcome some of the difficulties that have been pointed out this evening. If you don't do that, then you go back to the old days of 2003 to 7, where you finish up where we had virtually no funds, no reserves at all. So what we, would we have done if we'd got into a real scrape then? You're coming back to the same argument. It's all about good, sound financial management. Now, with regard, uh, Councillor Cheatham, to universal credits, there has been an awful lot spoken about it, and in here I mention about introducing it in uh, 16, 17, 17, 18. It is my understanding uh, from government sources that it is likely that it will be put back, but yes, we do have a contingency fund, should it be delayed. Thank you, Leader. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. Councillor Mackman. Thank you, Leader. 
Uh, I just wanted to say that uh, I had the benefit of two meetings with um, Adrian Webb last week. And he went over the budget papers with me in some detail, with a couple of colleagues. I think the budget paper is good news, uh, very good news. I think the, uh, the figures that are in it are well balanced. The, the one thing that I particularly wanted to say was that uh, I think that we're very fortunate in the high calibre of our finance officers and I think they should be congratulated publicly. Thank you, Councillor Mackman, and I'm sure we all endorse that, so thank you very much to the finance team. Any other questions? Otherwise, I'll put that to the vote. Those in favour of um, Agenda Item 7? Those against? Unanimous. Agenda Item 8, Allocations Policy uh, for Housing. Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Leader. Um, the allocations policy is one of the things I'm asked more about than um, almost anything else um, with my portfolio. So I hope that I will explain the changes clearly, but I'm really very happy to take any questions as we um, conclude. Um, the allocation scheme set out has, uh, how we allocate social housing to people in Uttlesford. Social housing is the council's own housing together with housing in the district that is owned by registered housing providers, better known to all of us as housing associations. The current allocation scheme was implemented in January 2013 and took account of all the flexibilities around allocation of housing that we were given to the local government by the Localism Act. The government has since issued further guidance, particularly around a greater priority to people who can demonstrate a close association with their local area. This has resulted in many authorities revisiting the local residency requirements contained in their schemes. Following an extensive period of consultation with um, members of the public, members of the council, um, our housing board, the tenants forum and our registered provide, uh, provider partners. A new allocation scheme has been developed to take more, ac more account of local circumstances. The major change is to introduce a new local residency, residency eligibility criteria. This requires applicants to have lived in the district for a minimum of three years before they can even join our housing register. Although housing has in the vast majority of cases always been allocated to applicants with a local connection and I can say that over 94% of the properties that we allocated in the last year were allocated to people directly off our, um, our own list. Um, there obviously are exceptional cases um, in this such as people fleeing domestic violence where we have reciprocal arrangements with other, other councils. Um, but um, you know, we are tightening this, we're tightening up so that we know that we will continue to have uh, local people in our local housing. So this is just a, another, another um, piece of work to reassure people that we are allocating pe uh, local housing to local people of Uttlesford's own list. We are also tightening up the eligibility rules around income so that social housing in the district goes to those who cannot afford to access um, properties in the private sector. Those that can't pay a, a private rent are the people that our waiting list is designed to help and so uh, we hope that this will um, assist with this as well. 
to help promote the rehousing of existing tenants with children living in flats, we will also be giving additional priority to enable families to move more easily into houses. And basically what we're saying here is often what happens is um, a family will be on our list and they apply for a, a, a property that's appropriate comes up and they end up a, a, a young family in a flat. And then, of course, someone else will be on the list and they will... Um, they'll be in the lucky situation where we may have got some houses on the list and so um, although these people have all got the same circumstances we want, we want to give those that find themselves in a flat because that was what was available at the time we want to give them the opportunity to move within our um, housing if they've been good tenants to us we want to enable them to move into houses themselves and this is particularly appropriate with um, families with young children there are also some changes to offer. We, would make, we, will, we will make to accepted homeless cases where we will use the private sector. If it is available to discharge our duties, we will make an offer of a, a flat accommodation with our own, within our own social housing stock. Um, I hope that the Cabinet will um, <coughs> feel that they can support this, um, this evening and I would like to recommend that the Cabinet adopts this um, new housing allocations policy and if, if we do we will hope to implement it from the 1st of January. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Redfern. Do I have a seconder for that proposal? Councillor Chambers. Councillor Barker, comments? Questions? Uh, th thank you, Chairman. I, I read this with, with interest. Um, as Councillor Redfern has pointed out, we're looking here at ensuring where we can that people in need within our district are allocated houses. And I, I know over past years, 96, 97% of the houses in Uttlesford have been allocated to, to Uttlesford residents. And that's, that, that's great. Um, although there will always be needy people from elsewhere who, who um, do sometimes you know, fit our criteria. What I would say is that although in a paragraph here, and apologies, I can't find it, it does refer to if you like, grown-up children still living at home who want a place of their own and would like to go on our register, within the banned criteria on page 53 onwards, it doesn't actually, in band C, where these people could be put, it doesn't actually mention those people that I can see. And I, I'm just surprised, as we're trying to, um, if, you, if, you, if you like, say, local houses for local people, that under band C, which is where I believe these people would sit, it doesn't actually say so. I believe somewhere it says that a local resident in need of housing would go into Band C. I dare say I could well be corrected by my um, team here, but everybody is assessed on their own criteria, and they could, have, they could end up in any, any of the bands, but living with, living with their parents, I would have thought they would have been a lower band than that, but I'm... I'll look round to see if I can get an answer. Do, do, do you want to come to a microphone? Can you, can you repeat that for people outside? Yes, I can. If they are living with parents and sharing, they would be in band C. 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 Correct, that's fine. They would be in band C, so I'm just surprised that it doesn't say under the band C specific eligibility criteria they would be. It specifies lots of other people who would be, but it doesn't specify adult children living at home.
Um, I think it, it says shared facility, so it doesn't go through what every category of person would be within the bands. It's what their circumstances are. So if it's a single person living at home with their parents, actually, if they're under 35 and only be eligible for a shared room, then they won't get sharing facilities. But if they're over 35 and they would be eligible under housing benefit rules to have their own property, then they would be in band C on the grounds of <coughs> point um, nine, shared facilities. Is that okay? Thank you. Thank Thanks you. very much. Councillor Dean. I'd like to refer the Cabinet to page 46, please, to the, um, to the paragraph at the top of that page. Um, I was at the Housing Board that uh, uh, put this policy forward. And I raised a question about this paragraph, and I was told at that meeting that it would be changed, and it hasn't been. Let me tell you my concern with paragraph one. This refers to people who go away to university, and, and it says that they will qualify uh, under the number of years, the qualification number of years, Provided the providing the applicant had previously lived in the district for the three years immediately prior to the start of their course. And I raised at the board, uh, sorry, yes, at the <coughs> housing board meeting that, you know, what's the situation with somebody who lived in the district for two and a half years prior to going on their course? Then they came back and they lived in the district for another two years, making uh, four and a half in total. Um, include, and if you add on the three years, if it were, that they'd been away, that would be seven and a half or whatever it would come to. Um, but this uh, denies somebody uh, going on the register until they've essentially been back for three years if they've only lived here for two and a half. So in other words, depending on where the three-year course sits within their residency, they, they're, they're being required to work longer and I asked for that to be changed I was told it would be changed and it hasn't been changed so I'm very disappointed and I'd like uh, an explanation please Right, can we deal with that? I think uh, Mrs Millership's going to come to the microphone Is that correct? She's nodding I think we'll have to come to the microphone because we've got uh, listeners outside so we do need to make sure that everybody hears this it, I think this has, this has been changed from what it was at the housing board <coughs> and so, so I think it, it was, this is, I think has just not been changed in this document but it was, so we have changed it to what was agreed at the housing board which, so, was? which was that, which was that time at university would count you wouldn't, it wouldn't sort of negate if you were away at university so yeah, it was as I, members requested yeah so what because before we had the, if you look, if you were at university, wouldn't count as local. No, time that's hit. right. Yeah. So, so you're not penalised for the fact that you've gone to university. That creates, that is part of your part of your local connection. Part of your local connection. Yeah. So I think that word, that wording has is being partly changed, but not fully changed. So it is as in our housing board that time at university isn't going to penalise somebody. So my understanding, Councillor Dean, is that the point you've raised has been accepted. It hasn't been changed in this document, but the well, time at well, university will count as, as part yeah. of your three years. I'm, 
I'm sorry, I'll, I'll put the microphone on. Could I ask that the document is updated, that the Cabinet agrees it's subject to updating and that I'm provided with a copy of the new wording, please? Sure, sure. I think, I, I think you've heard, heard it both from officers and from the Cabinet member, but yes, we will, of course we'll do that. Are there any other points? Subject to the point that's just been raised uh, on uh, page 46, which I think I won't repeat, but you all understand, uh, and which will be corrected in the final report. You're comfortable that it will be corrected in the final report? Yep. Uh, then can I uh, put this to the vote, please? Those in favour? Those against? Unanimous. Thank you very much indeed, and uh, thank you for a very big piece of work, officers. Um, it's terribly important that we get this aspect of our housing strategy correct, that it's fair, that it's just. Um, it's been through a number of iterations. You had a very excellent workshop for members, which was well attended and uh, a good two-way discussion. You've taken it through the housing board. Again, I wasn't there, but I understand it was a very uh, good two-way discussion, and uh, we've now signed it off. So uh, thank you for that. Moving on to item uh, 9, antisocial behaviour, uh, Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Leader. Um, the Antisocial Behaviour, Crime and Policing Act 2014 is an important piece of legislation which makes fundamental changes to a wide range of areas of local authority and police activity, including antisocial behaviour powers. The Act is intended to give agencies more effective powers to tackle antisocial behaviour and provide better protection for victims and communities. In response to the new Act, the Council has fully reviewed its antisocial behaviour policy and procedures. We have consulted widely both with the public and partner agencies. The Council has already been providing staff with training on how the new powers can be used. I'd like to recommend to Cabinet that we... <coughs> Approve this, uh, adopt this antisocial behaviour policy and procedures. Councillor Walters is seconded. Uh, yeah, of course. Councillor Walters to speak. Um, Mike. I'm very that uh, we're going to hopefully recommend uh, that we accept these changes, um, and I'm particularly pleased to see in this new Act something which has been lacking in the past and that is the, the um, new trigger and community remedy to empower victims. So there's more concern as now about victims in the community and also to have a greater say that some action is taken if it's not taking place efficiently. I have to say in our district, our anti-social behaviour record, generally in the community safety sector, is very good indeed. Um, and much credit that goes, of course, to Fiona Gardner, who is our anti-social behaviour officer, who lays extremely well with our police, who do an excellent job. But uh, the changes are necessary, and so I'm very pleased indeed to see this uh, new emphasis on the victims. Thank you, Councillor Walters. Any Councillor Barker? Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, just a couple of points of clarification. On page 92, at the top of our flowchart, we are reporting ASBs to the Council by phone, letter, or in person. Can I clarify whether an email is actually an acceptable form of communication in this day and age? Yes. If that could be amended. Similarly, on page 10, where we look at the investigation flowchart, um, at the top of the page we are logging concerns for children, young people and vulnerable adults. But as we do move down to the first box, or the second box, we've lost the vulnerable people there. And I wondered if they should be included in that box as the flowchart progresses? 
Okay, and then finally, if I could, on page 110, uh, down the bottom of the page, we say that the brief, sorry, the breach of a civil injunction is not a criminal offence, but a breach must be proved to the criminal standard. I think it would actually help the wording if it were to read, breach of the injunction is not a criminal offence, and to insert at that point, but a civil contempt of court. I know we refer to that further down, but it's just that we're saying it's not a criminal offence, but then we say we need to prove a breach. So it's actually a breach of this injunction is not a criminal offence, it's a civil contempt of court, because you can technically be sent to prison for it. So I think that would just tighten up the wording slightly. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Any other questions or queries? Uh, so the motion as expressed that we adopt this policy be so put. Those in favour? Those against? Unanimous. Thank you. Moving on to agenda item 10, the Saffron and Pig Market Charity, Ferrycroft Road, Car Park. I think Councillor Barker is dealing with this one. There's two names against it. Thank you, Thank Chairman. You. Chairman, the rebuild of the Waitrose store and car park is due to commence in the new year, 2015. As part of enabling that development, some land held by the District Council and the Pig Charity needs to be made available. This paper sets out reasons behind a proposed land swap between Uttlesford District Council and the Pig Market Charity to enable this to happen. <coughs> the Council, as the sole trustee of the Pig Market Charity, has engaged Chasen Partners to advise the charity, protect its interest and preserve its income to enable it to make charitable donations. Paragraphs 3.3 and 3.4 on page 140 set this out briefly. There are five parties involved with this redevelopment. Uttlesford District Council, Uttlesford District Council as trustee of the Pig Market Trust, Waitrose PLC, the Strathclyde Pension Fund and Self Build Limited. So the discussions, finances and recommendations are complex. Paragraph, sorry, page 157, paragraph 15, sets out the overall rationale put forward by Chase and Partners for the proposed land swap. Chairman, briefly, this agreement ensures that the pig market charity has their income preserved during the period of rebuild and ensures that the charity continues to receive the income from 22.38% of the net income from the new parking arrangements as they do at present. The agreement to swap the land needs to receive charity commission approval, which I understand has now been received since this report was written, and this is set out in paragraph 12 of your report. Chairman, there are six recommendations there. Um, I can read them out if you like, um, and I'm happy to answer any detailed questions. Thank you, uh, Councillor Barker. Um, do I have a seconder for this, uh, Councillor Chambers? Um, questions, comments? No? I think uh, without read, just for those, those who aren't uh, in the room, um, I don't want you to read the whole thing, but if you could summarise A, B, C, D, E and F quickly, uh, that would be helpful. So the trustees agree. Yes, A there are six recommendations, Chairman. One is to exchange uh, two pieces of land between the District Council and the Pig Market Trust, which are the same size, so that the Pig Market Trust ends up with exactly the same piece of, well, a different piece of land of exactly the same size, to grant a lease to Waitrose for 50 years of the newly constructed car park, in the terms set out in the report, and then to accept a lease back of the constructed car park from Waitrose, 
to build, sorry, to temporarily relocate the six spaces under the control of self-build to the charity land during the period of rebuild. They will then subsequently get six new spaces and to agree to the redevelopment of the car park by Waitrose on the terms set out in the report and to enter into the car park management agreement with the council and Waitrose on the terms set out in the report. Very clear. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. On to item 11, uh, Councillor Barker, designation of Felsted Neighbourhood Plan Area. Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, the Council has received and advertised an application from Felsted Parish Council proposing that the Neighbourhood Plan Area is contiguous with the parish boundary. No comments have been received. Any neighbourhood plan produced will need to be in conformity with the strategic policies of the district plan for it to be accepted. The recommendation is to designate the parish of Felsted as the neighbourhood plan area, and I so propose. Seconder. Councillor Ranger. Uh, any comments on this? Councillor Cheatham. Just to say that um, fine and delighted that they're doing a neighbourhood plan. How do they deal with their borders? We have a duty to cooperate when we do our local plan. How do the parishes deal with neighbourhood plans? I, I think that's a question many of us feel, knowing Felsted as a, a collection of very small little hamlets. Um, I, I personally feel that there are some areas such as Flitch Green and Little Dunmo that have impact on the Felsted neighbourhood. And I do hope that the parish council will take the views of those parish councils on board as they progress with this plan. I don't know whether you want to say anything, Mr Harborough. Uh, we, we have discussed this matter before. There's the, the balance between this being a, a local neighbourhood plan as run by a local, local community uh, so that it is their plan. Uh, but on the other hand, as you rightly say, Councillor Barker, taking account of their surroundings so it fits into its context. I would suggest that the coordination between different neighbourhood plans is achieved by the requirement that they all generally conform with the, the District Council's local plan. There isn't any specific duty to cooperate between neighbouring local councils. Okay. Thank you. If there are no other questions, I put uh, that to the vote that to designate the parish of Felsted as the, as the Felsted neighbourhood plan area. Uh, those in favour? Those against? Carried. Item 12, the Elmden Conservation Area Appraisal. Chairman, thank you. And this time I will start by thanking Mr Tyson and his officers for, for this wonderful report, which I enjoyed reading yesterday. Chairman, Elmden, possibly meaning Elm Covered Hill, is a small settlement in the northwest of our district. The parish contains 63 listed buildings, of which 37 are within the existing conservation area. The Elmden Conservation Area was first designated in 1976 and the District Council has a duty to periodically review such a designation. Within the Conservation Area there are many attractive listed thatched buildings as well as two grade star buildings in the form of the Church of St Nicholas and Pigots. Pigots is currently unoccupied and one of the management proposals is to approach the owners to establish the current intentions for the buildings and also to consider whether it should be added to the buildings at risk register. Pigots sits of one, on one of two scheduled ancient monuments, a moated site, the second scheduled monument being the ringwork at Castle Grove. Chairman, there are a number of management proposals set out on page 274 and a proposed amendment to the conservation area boundary to include a range of outbuildings to the south of Elmden Lodge. I would like to thank the officers for their work on this excellent document and propose the recommendation to formally amend the boundary. Do I have a seconder? 
Uh, we better have Councillor Chambers in God's something acre, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> anybody wish to comment on this? Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Leader. You've got it nearly right. God's little acre. Uh, I'd just like to thank Mr Tice very much, uh, uh, and especially Mr and Mrs Bosworth as well, who actually came out to the public meeting. There was a lot of people that actually came and discussed things. Uh, as far as I can ascertain, nearly all of them, because you never please all the people all the time, 99% of them are very happy with it, so uh, I'm delighted to second this proposal. Thank you very much. Councillor Cheatham. Yes, just, uh, I'd like to say this is one of our little gems of Uttlesford, and long may oh. it con <laughs> continue that way. It is a lovely area, and I do think that, con that uh, conservation areas do help us maintain some of the areas that we have like this. So, so I, I think it's an, an excellent piece of work and some interesting things there. I must go and visit it when it's a bit warmer again. They're always interesting, uh, and I'll add my thanks to Mr. Tice. Uh, it's, it's an excellent collection of uh, appraisals of our community, and I know that parish councils take them seriously, and I know that parish councils listen and respond. So uh, you're, these appraisals are playing a big part in, in the maintenance of that uh, with the local community support, which obviously is the key part of it. Um, those in favour? Those against? Carried. Now, item 13 is uh, the Chairman's urgent items, and there is one because on Friday the 28th of November, the Government amended the National Planning Practice Guidance for Developer Contributions. This alters the circumstances in which affordable housing contributions can be requested, um, and therefore we have bought it as an emergency item because if we don't have it in place, then we can't collect any contributions. So I'll ask Councillor Barker to uh, take us through it. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. As you rightly say, last week the Government issued a, a further amendment to the National Planning Practice Guidance. As set out in your papers, the guidance suggests that we should no longer seek contributions in urban areas on developments of 10 units or less, which have a maximum floor space of no more than 1,000 square metres. In rural areas, a lower threshold of five units can apply. In the case of Uttlesford, all areas are designated as rural, with the exception of Great Dunmo, Stansted and Saffron Walden. Unfortunately, Chairman, this new policy will result in a fall in money that the Council can receive to help us to create more of our own affordable housing and council housing, which I think is greatly to be regretted. However, Chairman, this is policy, policy and guidance that's been issued, and we have to alter our guidance document to reflect this. The new document will reflect that 40% of affordable housing will be on requir required on sites of 15 units or more than half an hectare, 20% affordable housing on sites of 11 to 14 houses or sites between 0.3 and 0.49 of a hectare or a financial contribution as defined by the District Council. In addition to that, on sites of 10 houses where the 1,000 square metre gross is breached, a contribution will be sought. That needs to be amended in the guidance. And finally, in rural areas, a financial contribution will be sought on sites of six to ten dwellings. This means basically that no site of five dwellings or less will be required to make a contribution. The guidance at paragraph 2.7 does aim to mitigate against developments being divided up into smaller applications to avoid these requirements. 
Chairman, I propose the revised developer contributions guidance with the amendment that where a development in an urban area is in excess of 1,000 metres square gross, a contribution will be sought. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Cheatham, uh, and I a comment. Yeah, uh, just a comment. Yes, I think this is a... Um, uh, we do need, uh, even in an area like this, contributions to to build affordable housing for our second, third generation and other people. And therefore, I am saddened that this has happened, but I do think that this is the way forward that we should collect from the six to ten in the rural areas. We are virtually all rural, and that is very important that we still get this money. Um, but we will not be able to get it from the urban areas, uh, where we also need affordable housing. Any other comments? Councillor Dean? Can I ask whether this was put out to consultation and whether this council actually made any representations? It, it, it is a government <coughs> policy, so um, in that sense that we're following government guidance. No, so, so, so the timeline... Is, sorry? Mr Harborough will answer the question. Yeah, the yes, the government consult, consulted on this proposed change to the... Um, obligations relating to, to these, these contributions, I don't believe that this council responded to that consultation, no. Did you? Oh, sorry. I, I do think that it <laughs> should have corrected. done, Mr Chairman, and I think perhaps it should put in a somewhat uh, late <coughs> complaint. <coughs> well, we did respond, apparently. We did. Councillor Redfern. Yes, I spoke to um, uh, Susanna yesterday we were talking about this and we did put in a very strong response to this and um, if I can carry on with a comment um, Chairman I feel really um, disappointed in this um, I didn't like our, I felt with our previous policy we went, for me we went too low with what we were asked too few um, properties with what we were asking our contributions because I have a support for small local developers but I cannot understand why this has been changed um, to the point that it is and that urban areas are excluded from this. You know, I sit in the housing department here and we're always looking at ways of trying to find um, opportunities to provide our own housing, to make contributions to other housing and this government wants to see um, more houses built and um, they've, taken a, they've taken away some very important funding for... Um, small councils like ourselves to try and do something to help those in need ourselves and um, we did, Councillor Dean I can assure you we did put in a very shirty response Any other comments? Those uh, well, where the word is in favour but those uh, um, accepting the recommendation to adopt a revised developer contributions guidance as laid out by Her Majesty's Government. Those in favour? Those against? Uh, there are no other emergency items, so the meeting so closes at 8 o'clock. Thank you very much.
This meeting is paused. This meeting is paused. This meeting is paused. We are not broadcasting at the moment, but you can use the stream to test the audio on your device. We are not broadcasting.